Chris, before we get started this week, I thought of another community Parks and Rec crossover from a couple of weeks ago that I can't believe we didn't think of at the time. Oh my God, did I miss one? Sewage Joe. Sewage Joe. Su- yeah, Sewage Joe. So Sewage, sewage Joe, Joe yeah. is Blade. Is Blade the carny worker. Wow. Yeah, the guy who, you know, uh, whatever, the piece oh, of the metal man. lodges in his brain. And he doesn't feel shame. And Jeff's like, why do I want to impress you so much? But then he's yeah. Sewage Joe who, like, sends pictures, uh, you know, sends dick pics to the rest of the, like, city hall and gets fired. And then, uh, you know, they always complain because, like, the sewage department or, like, public works always has really hot interns. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, uh, Sewage Joe provided us with the with the very famous line of trying to woo Leslie and describe to her what he found so uh, captivating by her. And as I aforementioned, you have a great dumpster. <laughs> Joe, well done. Very similar character to both, I would say. You know, kind of that uh, feel no shame type of character. Yeah, absolutely. Just like straight up own it. Yeah, absolutely. So, Um, well, good, good for you, Christian. I mean, I, uh, I guess we had said five points, so I feel like that's just got to be fifty points and uh, and a win right there. Well done. Thank you very much. Um, I had a I had a pretty good night last night, my friend. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I know that you're stuck in a foreign country right now and, uh, you know, it can be hard to wear the maple leaf proudly, but Christian last night, Canada played Panama in probably the single, the, one of the most important games that I have seen team Canada play in my entire life. And I don't think that's an exaggeration, probably since 2000, when they were in the gold cup final and won, I had never seen a more important and consequential team Canada game in two decades. And Christian, I was there. You were there. I was there. I was at BMO field with that packed stadium, absolutely roaring and rocking. Um, and amazing. Not only that, it was the single best soccer match I've ever been to in my entire life, uh, just in, in terms of pure entertainment. Yeah, I guess I we mean, should clarify this was men's soccer. Like, I yeah, guess oh we, my like, God. Yeah, I we apologize. should probably. I apologize. Yeah. Yes, I should clarify. But, so, just brief background uh, you know, this is the qualifying for the World Cup next year, 2022 World Cup. So, North American qualifying. Um, we qualify three teams to the World Cup. And so, there's eight uh, countries competing Canada, in Qatar. USA. Qatar, Qatar, El Qatar, Qatar, um, Canada, USA, Mexico, Jamaica, Costa Rica, Panama, Honduras, El Salvador. Um, we have only made this phase once, uh, if I recall, in my lifetime. It's typically a six-team final round. Now we have an eight-team final round, COVID things, um, and uh, Canada has been absolutely killing it. So last night was game six of that. They're undefeated, uh, and they were playing at home against Panama. So a very important thing to understand is um, what type of step this would be to world, towards World, qualifi- world Cup qualification. So with a Canada win, Canada's chances of qualification go up to 75% and with a loss go down to 30%. So essentially very good chance to make the World Cup if you win, very bad chance, almost impossible to make the World Cup if you don't. Um, And essentially because Panama is right below us, the opposite is true for them. If they beat us on the road in Toronto, um, then they get that massive chance to go. Um, We won. We won, Christian. We won four to one. So everything, like, let's say you have a friend who doesn't like soccer very much or doesn't know about soccer, right? Um, and you want to you wanna try and convince them why it's one of the most, you know, uh, incredible sports on earth is to take them to a game, right? You know, there's, there's, it's like baseball. It's one of those things where live it's 10 times better. 
So what the game had last night was the most incredible atmosphere I've ever been to in a soccer match. And because COVID has been raging for the past two years, the first time that I went to a, a full capacity sporting event since you and I went to the Detroit Ottawa game two years ago. Now, That's of course, crazy. you can fill in as many full capacity jokes as you want because I'm aware Ottawa is very far from filling capacity. <laughs> um, but last night was not the case. It was packed. I mean, it was so hard to find an empty seat. They kept like this sort of... Um, uh, buffer zone of empty seats between the players, like the benches and where they first started to sell tickets. So there was like this one little area that was empty. But other than that, it was absolutely packed. So if you're trying to convince someone to watch soccer, everybody in that stadium was singing, jumping, dancing. I mean, the entire supporter section waving Canada flags. Right behind us where we were sitting was the Pan Panama away supporter section so they were dancing and singing and playing brass instruments the, the whole game i mean it was really really awesome they actually so let you, them in with brass instruments i know it's wild isn't it yeah it's crazy um but it was in full force so packed stadium and then it was entertaining soccer it was attacking it was active there was a ton of movement there was no bunkering down both teams wanted to win that match uh panama scored within the first four minutes i mean it was really really entertaining um, and then better than anything, Canada dominated, you know, they dominated play, but also, you know, completely attacking three goals in the second half alone um, from their triumvirate of youth that are bringing this team, you know, uh, into the future on their backs. Alfonso Davies, Bayern Munich, Jonathan David and Tejan Buchanan, each of them scored a goal. And Alfonso Davies, I know you've seen this, Christian. Alfonso Davies scored probably the best goal I've ever seen in my entire life. And I saw it live, like 100 feet below me. Um, I, was you know, sent that, uh, I was sent that replay um, as I was uh, otherwise predisposed that evening. Um, but I was definitely sent that with the, um, you know, like the emoji that's like the Macaulay Culkin home alone, like, you know, like <laughs> yeah. one. So I got sent it with a bunch of those. And yeah, it was... I mean, it was fucking impressive is, is yeah. what it is. Even if you're not a soccer follower, you're sitting there just going like, that's, that's, that's not possible with a foot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna describe this goal via podcast form other than to say that Alfonso Davies blasted down the line faster than I've ever seen a non track and field human running at any point in my life. Um, he ran over 80 yards at a speed of a top speed of approximately 40 kilometers an hour. So he was running faster than a car. Uh, driving in a suburban neighborhood here. What is that in miles an hour, Christian? Is Probably 25. 30, 25, 25, 25. Miles an hour. Um, running to chase down a ball, steal it at the line, pop it in the corner. I mean, it was, it was amazing. Um, so in Bayern Munich, where he plays, he's so fast that Thomas Mueller, one of the you know, captains and all-time greats of Bayern Munich, was describing Alfonso Davies as a rookie and said, yeah, he's like the roadrunner, you know, me, 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 and then just comes and steal the ball. And so I'm sitting there and I turn to my wife and under my breath go, Jesus, meet meep, Alfonso. And then he just like just turns on the jets and steals the ball. And it was one of the greatest moments. I, uh, I just lifted my wife in the air. I was so happy. I was screaming at the top of my lungs. I mean, it was absolutely amazing. Best thing I've seen though, Christian, was that somebody turned a gif of that goal into a Canada heritage moment. <laughs> So when we were kids growing up uh, in Canada, those are uh, so good. There were these government-sponsored uh, TV spots that went, in, uh, you know, TV advertisement commercial slots on TV, and they were, you know, little recreations of famous Canadian things. Um, Every and, single uh, one of them to me is Laura Secord. <laughs> yeah. 
I still remember the one with, uh, God, what's that, uh, neurosurgeon who is responsible for like, uh, um, understanding strokes worked in Montreal. Ah, I'm going to forget his name now. It'll come back to me. Um, and he's like prodding somebody's open brain and they go, it smells like toast, doctor burnt <laughs> toast. And there's just this great celebratory moment. You think, God, I just watched a TV ad of someone rooting around in someone's brain. This is a little bit weird. There's gotta anyway. be one for, uh, for insulin. No, I would assume. Yeah, I gotta think so. Gotta think so. So ground up that pancreas. We'll have to go back and uh, yeah, on the CBC we do, archives. We should, we should just do like a whole podcast series over the summer that's just rewatching those heritage moments. <laughs> Live watch. Um, so yeah. Anyway, I had an incredible game, man. It was one of the it was one of the best things I've ever seen in my life. And I think to me, what felt so very emotional about it, almost tear jerking, was. Um, you know, other than checking vaccines at the door, uh, which they did quite diligently, um, you essentially felt like COVID didn't exist. You know, there were 30,000 people in the stadium. Um, almost nobody had their masks on. They did have a, you know, when you're not eating and drinking mask policy. But if you looked around the stadium, you know, 95% of people had them off. Not necessarily condoning that. Um, but I will say it is extremely emotional when you look out at 30,000 people screaming and you think, you know, a year and a half ago, I didn't know if I'd ever do this again. You know, I yeah. didn't know if I would be part of this collective experience again, potentially ever or not in the same way. And just to see, you know, something special about it being Canada, that almost everybody in that stadium is pulling the same way and, you know, just as jazzed up about it. Um, so it was fantastic. Yeah, I had a great effing day last night, Christian. That's awesome, man. Yeah, it's I, we talked in a previous episode about like, what is it about, you know, the maple leaf, right? I think it was when we were talking about the Olympics, just that, you know, there's that added emotional boost of, you know, fucking A. Absolutely. And well said, too. Yeah. Fucking A. Well, on that fucking A note, shall we get this episode started? Load it up. <laughs> Diddle, the cat and the fiddle, decided to make a podcast. Welcome to the Dad Joke Loading Podcast. I'm Chris, that's Christian, and we're back with another week to talk to you about all things fatherhood, sports, life of two young men who have been best friends for a long time and have done a whole lot of their growing up together. As always, some thank yous to the people who make this possible. Producer Ryan, thank you for everything that you do. Michael Spicer Music, uh, check him out for that great uh, introduction and all of the musical stabs that you hear throughout this. Vishal Murthy, the vet cartoonist for all of our uh, imaging, branding, we thank you very much. And most importantly than all, our wives and daughters, we love you so much. And thank you for letting us do this every week. To talk to my best buddy. How are you, Christian? I'm pretty good, man. How are things with you? Uh, you know, they're developing. They're developing. Um, okay. You know, s- some other great things that I-, I came across this week, a little bit on a, on a different level uh, of soccer, is, um, you know, something that I'm very excited to share, which is that I'm having another baby. Ba-ba-ba! Chris, that is amazing. I'm going to pretend like I'm just hearing that for the first time. <laughs> but for real, uh, listeners, Christian, I mean, has only known about this for like literally a couple of days. Yeah, you know? it's, yeah, so it's this, still very new, very new news. This yes. is uh, this is very, very exciting. Yeah, so um, I found out at the game, um, my uh, 
uh, not sorry, I should clarify, not this game, the last game we were at a different game. My uh, wife um, handed me a little pair of baby socks during the intermission. And um, I, uh, I took the baby socks and I thought, well, why, you know, what, why did you bring these to the game? Like, yeah, did like, this why, in your pocket? Like, <laughs> why do we have this? Yeah. And then as I grabbed them, I felt, I felt something inside, you know, it felt like a little bit firm on inside and I couldn't quite figure out why. And she just gave me this knowing look, you know, and I was like, oh, something's up with these socks. Like, I gotta, I gotta check out what's going on here. And so, uh, sure enough, I opened them up. And um, there was a little note saying that I was going to be a dad again. So this is, I mean, this is awesome. I mean, this, you know, I was talking about the game as uh, the highlight of my week, but that's quite frankly bullshit because this is the highlight of like my year, basically. I mean, I am so pumped. And just just so we're clear, my daughter was born last year. So this is the highlight of 2021. Um, <laughs> good, yeah. good, good indication there. Yes, yeah. We're talking calendar year. Yes, yes. yes. Not the past 12 months. <laughs> Just for admin's sake, for anybody keeping track at home, um, yeah. So I'm uh, I'm thrilled. I'm excited. I'm nervous. Um, but one thing that I wanted to talk to you a little bit about this week, Christian. You know, um, we were we were blessed. Just uh, goodness, what is it now? A month, uh, less than two months, more than a month ago, that we talked about the fact that you are expecting uh, two children, expecting twins, and that you and I are both going to be dads again. Yeah. So I just thought this would be a time to revisit some of those emotions and some of the different things that I've been feeling over these past couple of weeks. And, um, you know, since a lot of this podcast is essentially therapy for you and I, um, I kind of wanted to see if my feelings were similar to your feelings in any way and how you're feeling, you know, about about where you're at. I mean, you are imminent, right? I mean, you are about to be dad number two, like close to any day now, right? Yeah, impending doom is how I describe <laughs> it. Yeah, absolutely. But I will say, so, you saying that this podcast is therapy is like just about as perfect a description of this, I think, as as could be said to to anyone trying to explain this. It's like, yep, just two two best friends going to therapy. Yep. Yeah, and just like real therapy, uh, you know, we're we're. Uh... We're just as tormented, except we let you all listen to it. So, you know. I am on a daybed. <laughs> welcome in. Um, and I'm drawing images of him. Is that weird? No, that's the Titanic. <laughs> oh, are we doing the wrong podcast? <laughs> Shit. Uh, okay, uh. I'll switch over to the Titanic watch through again. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I knew Take I got my two. days. I knew I got my days mixed up. <laughs> um, so speaking of massive things that are hurtling towards the bottom of the North Atlantic Ocean, um, my free time. Um, (laughs) so probably similar to you, Christian, you know, I'm, I'm experiencing like 90% positive emotions, you know, and 10% moments of nervousness, fear, you know, um, a a lot of like positive anxiety, but anxiety that's positive always has still that touch of real anxiety, things that make you a little bit nervous. And so being a dad has been one of the most amazing, incredible, beautiful things ever. It's unlike anything I've ever done before in that everything you do feels rewarding. Um, I'm absolutely in love with my kid. Like at any moment she does something, my heart melts, you know, um, and and it's amazing. So the, the fact that I get to continue having that joy, um, growing our family, which I should say that my wife and I had planned for this. So this is not a surprise for us. So it's something that we've wanted for a long time. Um, you know, that, that positive emotion is completely there. And I think in, in some ways it goes without saying a little bit, or at the very least, you know, it's, it's understandable to anyone. Right. 
Um, but the first thing I felt, Christian, actually, was a little bit of hesitation. And it was looking at my current daughter, my daughter, my now eldest daughter, as weird as that sounds. That- um, and kind of feeling sad for her. And I don't know if that's the right emotion, you know, but feeling like right now she is, she is my wife and I, to us, she's our life. She's our everything. She's like our little star. She's, you know, we drop everything for her and we try to make her happy. You know, I mean, of course we're trying to be parents at the same time. It's not just about making her happy, but certainly at this infant stage, it's about trying to make her smile, trying to make her laugh, trying to make sure she's well-fed. And the first thing I could think is this is going to divert attention from her. You know, this is going to make us pay less attention to her. Certainly on the one hand, she's growing. She won't need as much attention. But then on the other hand, it makes me think that, you know, all I can think about is like her little eyes looking up at me and saying, you know, like, what was I not good enough? Like, why, you know, why are you diverting your attention from me? Um, And I still, you know, even now, like a week later, um, knowing about this, I still feel that way. You know, I still look at her and I think, you know, I'm sorry, I guess. Um, you know, consciously, I know it's good for her. I know it's help, help for, helpful for her to have siblings, you know, to allow her to understand sharing and not being self-absorbed and have that family dynamic in another person that she'll probably love just as much as we do, you know, a brother or sister. Um, but I can't help but feeling a little bit uh, sad for her. Is that something that you ever felt? Um, yeah, I think it's, so I think a very similar, um, in, in a very similar vein, maybe not exactly that emotion, I guess what I experienced, and I'll even go back to when I had, uh, when our, our first daughter was born, which was, you wonder how, when something this big happens in your life, you wonder how possible it is, or if it is even possible for your your heart to grow, you know, in order to be able to have the emotional capacity to, you know, love something as much as you do your own child. So I think mm-hmm. that was something for me that I thought about with my, with when becoming a dad for the first time, which was like, you know, which I, I quickly realized was a stupid thing to worry about because then there they are in front of you. And like you said, now then immediately you can't imagine loving anything any less. Right. So you, you quickly realize that's not the case, but now that there's going to be more than one, then you, yeah, I think it's a real concern of then starting to be a parent of multiple kids. It's just like, then how do you be available, you know, emotionally, um, you know, physically, um, you know, in, in those supportive ways? Like, how do you make sure that each of your children is being equally supportive, uh, supported, excuse me, um, you know, and, and loved and cherished? I think it's a real concern because as of, like, as you are obviously acutely aware as of right now, like my daughter is my life. And when I'm not at work, I'm basically spending every one of her waking moments with her, you know, and trying to help with her development or joy or, you know, whatever it is. And then, then all of a sudden, well, I mean, for me, I have two more coming. Um, And so it's one of those, okay, so now there's more than one kid. How do you, how do you split your time? How do you, I mean, it sounds dumb, split up your love, even though I know that's not really a thing. But Um, it is, I mean, that is, like, that's the worry, right? right. Like, you you know, it sounds silly to say it, but it is that way. Like, yes, of course, of course I feel like I can love them, I can love them both, but, you know, all you can worry about is that 
it will take something away from the way that maybe you express your love to your daughter. Like, yes, you have the same love inside for her, but you have only so many hours in a day, right? You only have only so much time that you can convey love. Will that take away from my ability to convey that to her? Even though I know in my heart, I'll still love her as much. Yeah. And I guess the thing for me too, is just like, is it's more so how my, again, I'll say eldest daughter, cause that's a very weird thing to say out loud. Um, you know, it's more how she will perceive it. Like you said, like, I know, even though it sounds terrifying at the front end, but like, I know that there's no way I will ever love my daughter, my current daughter, any less, right? They'll always be equal. Um, my favorite's the dog anyway, so it's fine. <laughs> um, but you wonder how they'll perceive it. I think is mm. is my thing. And one thing my wife and I have talked a lot about is my daughter currently. Um, so my wife has been on bed rest now for almost six weeks um, just because, you know, her job is very demanding and so just unable to continue to work, you know, while, while being pregnant with twins. But my daughter's become very attached to her. And so, you know, the concern is then all of a sudden when – now, you know, mommy and daddy have to split their time because there are other people that mommy and daddy have to pay attention to. It's how are they going to perceive that? Mm. Um, and I'm sure there is probably shelves and shelves and libraries full of parenting books on how to make sure that doesn't happen. But, um, you know, it doesn't change the fact that, like you said, you feel like almost, I was going to say like almost like burning the can the parenting candle at both ends, really, because yeah. you're trying to yeah, like, yeah. you know, mix and match between you know, two or three or whatever it is, you know, children um, to make sure that you're, you're loving each of them appropriately and, and equally. And the hard part is, is like, it's one of those things too, that like, until it actually happens, like until your next child gets there, like you're never going to know what that looks like, you know, mm -hmm. because you can have tons of people that say like, Oh, between my first and second, this happened and you know, this, that, and the other thing. But I mean, until you get there, you know, that's why, you know, right now, like you said, I'm on any day mode essentially now for, you know, my, my, my twins that will be here soon. And, you know, like, I, I mean, yeah, I'm riddled with anxiety on a good day because I mean, until it gets here, it's just like, you know, I have no freaking idea what it's going to be like. And then when it comes here, you're just like, all right, here we go. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, speaking of the way that your life changes, um, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to try and expand on that a little bit and maybe a little bit of a less emotional way, you know, less about splitting your love and more about finding hours in the day, you know? So I remember when, when our daughter was first born, <clears throat> I, how do I even say this? You take it a bit like a challenge, you know? Um, like I remember my internship, my veterinary internship, you know, like in a, in a bad week, you might work 120 plus hours in a week, like three working weeks in a week, but you think, you know, I'm going to dive into this, right? Like I'm going to, I'm going to devote my whole life to this right now. I'm going to work my way through this and I'm going to get there at the end. And when your daughter's a, a newborn, like an infant, one, two months old, it's kind of the same mentality, right? You're not going to get a lot of sleep. It's going to be hard. Like it's, it's a very stressful thing. It's like pulling the exam all nighter. You just right. like, you it's, like, it's, you take it as like a badge of honor. You thump your chest, you go get an extra cup of coffee and try to pass the, your, uh, your pod exam. Exactly, exactly. So it's the metaphorical all-nighter. And just like those all-nighters, you can devote 100% energy to it. You know, you say, this is what I am doing right now, and I have 100% of my energy towards this, and you make it through. You know, so the bad nights, the sleepless nights, they don't make as much of a difference because this is what you're devoting everything to. 
But my worry now is we won't be able to do that in the same way because the way that we devote our whole lives to our daughter now, um, you know, you can't, you can't be 100% time devoted to your infant, you know, because you have another child who needs almost just as much care, like maybe not 24 hour care, but certainly when she's awake, just as much, if not more care. You know, well, and it's like um, it's eyes on them, right? Like, it's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. You, attention being paid attention. to them. Like, yes, they can maybe like, you know, play with their toys independently and like things like that. Um, but yeah, you still they still need to be, you know, attended to. Um, and Chris, let me tell you right now, uh, once they get real mobile, it's a whole other ball game. That's that's another part of it. That's the thing. The thing that I'm worried about the most is I have this like sass pants of a two and a half year old that's very mobile and independent already. And I'm just going to be, you know, going to have, you know, a twin in each arm or like two dirty diapers changes. She's going to shoot off in the other direction. I'm going to go, well, I guess I'm prioritizing, you know, I guess (laughs) I'm just, you know, anyway. Yeah. No, I totally agree. I totally agree. It is like not prioritizing obviously with love, but you're prioritizing attention a little bit. Right. And you're not, you can't be like, well, I'm a hundred percent devoted to keeping these two twins in my arms right now because like 25% of your brain is chasing your kid with the permanent marker down the hall at the same time, you know? And so one of the worries I have is like, my wife and I are very lucky that we've been able to create sort of this, what I honestly think. And I mean, I don't want to build it up too much, but pretty damn perfect life right now. Like I love my job. I love my schedule, the hours I keep. I, my wife is currently on mat leave. We've talked about Canadian maternity leave before and how amazing it is. So she spends uh, the whole day taking care of our daughter, um, you know, while I'm at work and then we come home. Uh, I leave my work at work for the most part. I mean, that's not entirely true. I come home early and then finish my work at home. But, you know, once the work day ends, it's over. And then we devote all of our attention to our daughter And then our daughter goes to bed and then we have, you know, a little bit of freedom before we try to get some sleep because we are damn tired, just like any other set of parents, damn tired all the time. So my question, Christian, is this, you know, we've jokingly said to each other, right? Just jokingly. Oh yeah. Our lives are over. Right. You know, like, oh yeah, that's it. But like no joking around, you know, that's for real. Like, right. Like that's gotta be for real in a substantial way that our really, really busy, intense lives right now are about to get more busy. And so I'm just genuinely wondering, you know, like I said, there's 90% positive emotions here, right? How much of you is genuinely not joking around, anxious about how little time you will have to enjoy the things in life that you enjoy, including being a couple, for example? Yeah, actually a very... Actually, probably a larger amount than I'd care to admit, I think, openly. But um, because, as you mentioned, like right right now, even if I'm not at work. So even let's say I go to work for the day, you know, uh, as of right now. So you and I are kind of in semi-similar scenarios, just that our wives are now currently both at home mm-hmm. uh, for different reasons, but essentially both at home. But I come home um, and I come home from my full-time job and I'm dad and I'm full-time dad until – my daughter goes to bed and then I have some time, you know, I, I call it free time. I mean, as I'm sure every parent and adult knows, it's really time to get the shit done. You actually need to get done to, you know, be a self-sustaining adult. It's not 
often necessarily as much quote unquote free time, but I mean, often it is obviously you have to take care of yourself, but now I'm just wondering, even on my days off, like I, you know, as you're aware, you know, you're a full-time dad. It's not like you can, you know, sit, you know, on the couch all day and watch TV because you know, like you said, I'm have to follow my two and a half year old with a permanent marker down the wall. Um, but then add on top of that, okay, yeah, great. So I somehow survived the day my two-and-a-half-year-old is in bed. Oh, wait. Now all night I have two, like I have twin newborns. Right, right, exactly. Right, exactly. So, to go back to your all-nighter analogy, right, it's like you're, you've pulled the all-nighter, and after any all-nighter, you expect to sleep in the daytime, right? You have your afternoon nap. But you don't get an afternoon nap because you've got another test that afternoon. Yeah, like, and I mean, uh, I mean, I know we keep using the all-nighter analogy. Uh, listeners, if you remember, um, our, our tests in veterinary school were often on Monday mornings, and so we would often pull essentially all-nighters, you know, all day Sunday, study all day Sunday night, power through, you know, Red Bulls, you know, Tim Hortons breakfast, and uh, or McDonald's breakfast, depending on, uh, you know, which side of the uh, uh, the, the handling we were on, I, I guess, at that point. But uh, <laughs> and And then we'd write a test, but then, I mean, we had class after, but let's be real. We could potentially go home and sleep all day if we wanted and often did. Um, and then somehow resurfaced somehow on Monday night um, and then resumed normalcy. But that's just not the case. Now it's just like all of a sudden we do that and then, okay, we write the test. Oh, wait, now we just have to work a 12-hour shift again. Right. Um, and then it just keeps going. I mean, I know lots of people that have multiple kids and like they're still alive. So apparently it's possible. Um, yeah, but it just yeah. like, it does seem like a very insurmountable uh, climb. Um, and I have to just keep telling myself that, you know, I thought my first child was an insurmountable climb. I was like, mm -hmm. I'm not a dad. I've never been a parent. What the, like, what the hell am I supposed to do here? Um, and, you know, so far she's, you know, so far she's still here and, you know, and I'm, and I'm still here and, and that standpoint. But yeah, I think it's now the added, as you mentioned, it's like all my focus has been on this one child. And now all of a sudden it has to be on three or two right. or whatever right. it is. And it's just like, how do you even think about trying? Because I mean, you can't plan for it. It's not just like, okay, so from eight to nine, I'll be with twin A. And then from nine to 10, I'll be, you know, because I mean, I have no idea how they're going to sleep. I have no mm. idea when they're going to shit themselves. Like, I have no idea when I'm going to shit myself. <laughs> like, it's just, you know, it's one of those where you just, you, you honestly just have, you know, you're just, uh, eventually you're just going to be in it. Yeah. And then yeah. they're just like, okay, here we go. And then you just kind of do it and you, you lean on those, uh, uh, close to you for support and, uh, you know, just make sure your bloodstream is, you know, 18.7% caffeine at all times <laughs> yeah. and, and go from there. <laughs> you know, I think you, I think you really have, you know, hit the nail on the head with something super, super important, which is, I mean, it really can't be understated. I don't, I don't think this is something that they like teach to new dads, but I definitely, it's an approach that I found myself subconsciously taking. And now I consciously believe in it, which is trusting in the process. And I'll expand on that in a moment and keeping a positive mentality, which we all know what that means. But having faith in the process is like 7 billion people are on this planet. That's a lot of people who have been parents. Like that's a lot of kids who have needed raising before. And if they could do it before, like you're just kind of letting mother nature drive the bus a little bit, right? You're like, yeah, 
I mean, it seems impossible, but like my dad did it and his dad before that did it and his dad before that did it. So if we could all be dads, surely I can as well, you know? And I think what having that faith in the process does is it, it communicates a positive mentality, sort of an, I can do it. I believe that I'll get there, you know? And when you have that positive approach of like, yeah, don't worry, it'll all work itself out. I just think everything seems a little bit more manageable, you know? And I think those are kind of the fumes I'm running on right now. I'm about to have a second kid and I just trust and believe that if I stay positive, I stay happy, I try my best to be a good dad, that will probably hopefully be enough. Well, and I think a big part of that, what you just mentioned too, you said like kind of letting mother nature drive the bus. Like, let's be real. There's, there's nothing you or I are going to do for our subsequent children. That's going to make them like really like that much of a better sleeper or like, you know, like all those types of things. Like, yes, obviously obviously there's routines and things that you can implement. And I'm sure, like I said, there's probably a hundred like, you know, baby books and specialists out there who are like, actually, if you do this, but like realistically, like how much influence do you and I really have in those core biologic, you know, kind of mechanisms? I'll argue relatively little. Um, and so in that standpoint, um, you know, it's kind of one of those, I mean, you have, we had no idea how our first kids were going to sleep. You know, we just mm-hmm. kind of figured, you know, okay, at this point they're kind of sleeping this much and we built our kind of plan around it. And then subsequently, you know, it'll just keep going from there. Like I said, if we, if you go into it too rigid thinking like, okay, I'm going to make sure that I do this. I mean, you can have a, a generalized, you know, kind of just like I said, either whether it's support network or kind of, you know, ideas or, or that type of thing, but then it's really just, Okay, so here's, like you said, it is what it is. Here's, you know, here's how it's laid out in front of me. And, you know, uh, play the play the cards you're dealt because, um, you know, the best laid plans are obviously the ones that, uh, you know, that never work out. But yeah, yeah, I uh, I hear you. You know, there's a few things that I'd like to expand on more, but I think I'm going to reserve them for future episodes. You know, how how one balances, you know, the responsibilities of taking care of your family, like making money for your family and how you can do that with multiple children. You know, we've got we've got multiple months, uh, multiple years of this adventure, Christian. So uh, I think I'll save those for a future episode. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, like you said, realistically, it's just the very beginning of, well, your journey into multiple children um and uh i mean just don't listen to anything i have to say when the twins come because it'll probably just be like a lot of tears um but <laughs> yeah. uh i'll just keep be, i'll just keep telling you it's gonna be great um welcome but. to episode 31 of the dad joke loading podcast how uh, how's your week going christian <laughs> <laughs> you just start without me <laughs> yeah exactly um yeah, just be like, just be like uh, yeah, hold on. Uh, yeah, like, welcome to the dad's... Th- Whose shit is that? <laughs> oh, are we on? You know, just like, yeah, it'll be, um, it'll be, it'll certainly be entertaining content. That I can, uh, that I can certainly guarantee. But uh, yeah, no, it'll, it'll be interesting to see kind of how these things develop and then kind of going back to what we just said and say like, I have no effing idea how this is going to yeah. turn out. And then when it turns out, we'll be like, oh. So that's how it turns out. Because as you mentioned, a big thing too is then just work life. You know, it's one thing we talked about, um, you know, fixing all of your energy onto something. And it's like, yeah, okay, while you're at home, like while your wife's on maternity leave, while you're off, able to do that. But like then also it's like, yeah, the money's got to come from somewhere. And then Mm. how do you – that's another, uh, you know, uh, a ball to add into the juggling act, right? It's just then also just like being a functioning member of society all of a sudden. 
So yeah, yeah um, totally. which is a struggle in and of itself. But yeah, I think those will be, like I said, interesting things to kind of look forward to, but then look back upon and see how we uh, somehow manage to uh, to pull it through. Yeah, totally. It's going to be really interesting to re-listen to these like a few years from now, you know, and, and hear hear that trepidation in our voices and just know that it all worked out. Hopefully. <laughs> so are you, are you saying that like season three of the Dad Joke Loading Podcast, this is going to be like a re-listen to season one and just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, hopefully on both sides of the border, because by that point, uh, we'll be able to drive and see each other, my friend. Absolutely. Well, uh, I think on that note, Christian, I'm going to I'm going to switch things up to a bit of a less serious gear. Okay. Um, you know, Christian and I here, uh, listeners, we are veterinarians. Um, we we really like cats and dogs. We are really hell of fond of cats and dogs, um, but we don't really talk about them too, too much on this show, actually, surprisingly. So I thought um, this would be a good opportunity. I saw a very unique type of breed of dog today. Um, oh, sorry. Sorry. Breed of cat today. My apologies. Um, and, you know uh, the difference. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, so this was the the woof woof one. The woof woof kind. Okay. That's oh it. no, sorry. Oh, the the one that rubs itself on my legs. Is yeah. the meow meow? Is that the meow meow? It was it was one of those gold ones that knocks its paw up and down in the window. Is that? Uh, it was a Bermilla cat. Never heard of a Bermilla. Have you heard huh. of a Bermilla cat? I mean, I've I've heard the name, uh, but only in that someone has used it as said term i don't i've never actually seen one uh in yeah. person though kind of looked like a burmese i'd say a big burmese like okay. you know how burmese cats have a bit of a brachycephalic bit of squishy nose yeah um sort of wide broad face big saucer eyes it was like that but a bigger cat okay like double the size of the oh wow okay um beautiful 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 animal um but this is a segment called rapid fire So in this rapid fire, Christian, uh, we are going to hold a um, boxing world championship of best dog breeds. Ooh. So we're going to have a toy breed division, a small breed division, a medium, a large, and a giant welterweight division. Okay. All right. And in each division, we're going to do our semifinals first, and then we're going to come back and do our finals. And we're going to pick the best breed from each category. Oh, wow. Okay. okay. I feel like we're going to so, breed a lot of contempt with our listeners on this one because I feel like there's going to be uh, some good conversation about what people think is the best uh, dog breed, which I'm sure is very influenced by personal experience. But, absolutely. Uh, but uh, I feel like ours is also kind of a little bit professionally driven as well because yeah, we've absolutely. seen the, the good, the bad, and the ugly of, of all of them. Um, or and the good, the say, dad, and the ugly, as we've heard. Uh, <laughs> well said. Um, I'm going to. I'm just going to jump briefly on a soapbox for just like ten seconds and say, um, you know, there is no good breed of dog. The good breed of dog is the dog that needs saving. It is the dog that is in a shelter that needs your love and needs food. Uh, it is not a designer breed. You do not need a purebred. You do not need a pedigree. You just need a dog because a dog has a heart full of love and it does not matter what breed they are. Uh, I think Christian and I are both huge advocates of uh, rescuing dogs. Um, and so this this is just sort of us commenting on the fact that breeds exist and each breed has different characteristics and some of those are, um, you know, positive and negative and we enjoy working with them. But first and foremost, we love every single dog on planet earth and you should assess them based on their personality, not based on their breed. So stepping down off the soapbox, Christian, are you ready to rumble? Let's get ready to rumble. In the toy breed division, in the blue corner, 
we have hailing from northern Mexico, the Chihuahua. And in the red corner, hailing from northeastern England, we have the Yorkshire Terrier. Ooh. And I got yeah. to pick, pick one? You got to pick. So Chihuahuas, Yorkshire Terriers, you, Christian, we're not saying, you know, just like objectively, because as you rightly say, there's no objective best dog breed. Your personal opinion, Christian, someone's like, okay, two dogs here, Chihuahua, Yorkshire Terrier. Who do you want to spend your day with? Okay, can I just like make a quick qualifying statement? Are are we assuming because of course every breed of dog that you mention, I'm just going to the diseases that they get most commonly. <laughs> so like, are we assuming like a relatively normal health status overall? Like so maybe some ups and downs, or is this just like, hey, if you pick it, it might get a disease? Yeah, let's say let's say that they're all middle aged. Okay. Okay. Um. So in that sense, that you do have to consider health concerns in terms of whether to expect that as a component of their longevity. But we'll say right here in this moment, it's a it's a healthy one. Okay. Um, I think, you know, it, it, to me, if I have to pick between those two, um, I'm going to pick the Chihuahua. Mm, mm. And, Interesting. Okay. And I think because after everything, I think it comes down to uh, just too much grooming involved in the Yorkshire Terrier department, mm. which is really not my game. Um, so I think from that standpoint, I think the maintenance of a Chihuahua is slightly less in that standpoint, uh, which is why I would go uh, Chihuahua. Excellent. Well, I like your, I really like your reasoning there. Well said. All right. Ding, ding, ding. Chihuahua takes round one. Uh, next up in the toy breed category, we have semifinalist number two. We have in the blue corner, hailing from, I literally have no idea where, and I should probably know this, the toy poodle. So we're talking miniature poodle, uh, not a standard poodle, you know, very large, obviously bred with a golden doodle, talking the miniature poodle. As well, uh, in the red corner, we have, I believe, hailing from Germany, the miniature pincher, also known as a miniature Doberman or a min pin. Basically, take a Doberman and grab that little arrow in the top right corner and drag it down about 80%. Um, so toy poodle, miniature pincher or min pin, what you going? Uh, I'm going to go min pin and, um, uh, similar to the Chihuahua, you know, less grooming involved with a min pin as opposed to a, a, a toy poodle. But it's because at a certain point in my career, we had a clinic dog that we acquired and it was a clinic dog. Yes. Wow, it was, unique. uh, to, to make a long story short, an elderly woman who could no longer care for this particular dog, um, but didn't want to see it, you know, be lost in the SBCA. And so we basically kept it in order to find it a home. And then apparently we found out that we were its home, but it took us about a year to figure that out. <laughs> and this was a miniature pincher named Cha-Cha. And uh, Cha-Cha was, th was just full of piss and vinegar. She either hated you or she loved you. Uh, just like loved belly rubs, but also just kind of liked to bite you at the same time, depending on how she was feeling that day. She was diabetic um and uh and lived on metronidazole because she just had diarrhea all the time but was the happiest thing um and so cha-cha lived with us at our clinic for probably 18 months wow. and uh so i think just because of that fond memory of just like the ridiculous that was cha-cha she had like a baby gate that like kept her in her little room but then every once in a while we just find her in the lab because she found a way to pick, <laughs> like, like push over the baby gate and uh so anyway so uh, because of cha-cha i'm gonna go miniature pincher well said. And I like the, uh, again, the reasoning that, you know, ties it to a personal story, which I think for so many of us with dogs is really important. All right. Moving on briskly to the small breed championship belt semifinalists. We have hailing from, I don't want to get this wrong. I believe China. 
and in the red corner, hailing from, again, don't want to get this wrong, I believe Germany, the miniature Schnauzer. So we have the Shih Tzu and the miniature Schnauzer. Who are you going with? I'm going to go with the Shih Tzu because I've never met a nice miniature Schnauzer in my life. Um, so, uh, I think clinic, I think that's a clinic bias one, um, that I think, uh, personally, if I had to pick between the two, I think, um, uh, a Shih Tzu, um, just See, because of again, their, their personality. I think their personality those, to me is better. One of those personal experience things. My first dog was a miniature schnauzer and I love schnauzers. So, you know, again, it just shows what you've lived with, what you've grown up with. Um, but you know, for those listeners, uh, who are vets, I know we have a few of you, um, miniature schnauzers are the poster child for, I'm just going to say internal medicine problems. Yeah. That's, that's fair. fair to say, Christian. That's fair. Um, yeah. I mean, like literally everything, dyslipidemia, diabetes, Cushing's pancreatitis, um, you know, immune mediated diseases of all kind, you name it, glomerulopathies. So bladder uh, stones. <laughs> bladder stone so you know with uh with the choice of shih tzu i think you saved yourself on some vet bills there my friend so semi-finalist number two two really great breeds here but very very different um so this might be a bit of a tough one uh first i believe hailing from yeah i'm just gonna get that wrong england america i'm gonna have to look that up the jack russell terrier think about eddie from uh from fraser versus the dachshund or the wiener dog from germany what uh, if you had to go Jack Russell Terrier or Dachshund? Who are you going with? Oof, I think. Yeah, if I had to pick between the two, I think I would pick Eddie from Fraser. Nice, nice. Just yeah, not the breed, just just the that specific dog. Yeah, yeah. No, no. I, yeah, I think I'm going to go Jack Russell Terrier. Um, and I think just because for me specifically and my lifestyle, I think they're just like they're a touch more athletic. Um, okay. as yep, opposed to like absolutely. can bound about the backyard, you know, that type of thing. Whereas, you know, dachshunds, don't get me wrong, super cute, but they do a little bit more toddling around sure. as absolutely. opposed to straight up no running. Um, yep. and I would, you know, in a dog, I prefer a little more activity than that. So I think I'm going to go based on that. I'm going to go with Jack Russell Terrier. Okay. Very nice. Very nice. Well, that brings us to the next weight category, which is the medium breed of dog. I would say probably my favorite breed of dog. Again, personal experiences. So number one um, is the, you know, there's so many varieties, American, English, but we're just going to go generally the Cocker Spaniel. So not a Cavalier King Charles Spaniel, not a Springer Spaniel, but a Cocker Spaniel, American or English, take your pick, versus the Beagle. The infamous, the the famous or infamous beagle that you and I spent many, many hours working with, walking, examining through our veterinary life. Uh, the beagle or the cocker spaniel? What are you going? Um, I think I'm going to have to go beagle on this one. Wow. And uh, I'm going to go beagle. Um, there's a family connection here, um, which is that my, uh, my, my dad's family had multiple beagles. Um, and so I think that's where, like, I never met any of them because they were prior to me being born, but there are always pictures of, uh, you know, of our, of my, my parents' dogs there. And my mom's family actually had a dog named Snooky, who I believe was also a beagle. <laughs> I just, I just, the only thing I know about Snooky is I have a picture of Snooky drinking out of the toilet, like in my grandfather's house. Um, but I'm almost positive it was a beagle. Again, never met either of them, but I think just because of the family connection, I'm going to go Beagle. <laughs> I mean, the name Snooky is going to stand out to anybody. So, um, all right. So now we've got two very sort of unique breeds here, I think. Um, hailing from Wales, we have the Welsh Pembroke Corgi. 
Oof. the famous tailless corgi becoming very famous these days against the extremely famous from advertising from coach's corner uh caller blue cherry it's the bull terrier not the pit bull terrier to clarify the bull terrier corgi bull terrier what's your what's your pick i mean I, there's nothing cuter than a corgi butt right gotta be so right? like so I, I think it's corgi by by a landslide on that one um by also a by a landslide wow. um i'm also gonna just play to my uh you know uh, scotland welsh uk roots there for the for the the welsh pembroke corgi but uh uh yeah assuming i could keep it the appropriate body condition score um <laughs> which is no guarantee um yeah i think it's the corgi all right. All right. Interesting. I thought that was a pretty even matchup, uh, but I thought Corgi might have had a hair, but I think Beagle is an upset victory. So we've uh, we've got a really exciting bracket shaping up. Moving into your favorite, I believe, Kristen, which is the large breeds. Um, so first, uh, I'm going to make this extremely tough on you because each of these candidates alone would win simply on their personality. Uh, huge potential candidates. I think this is going to be a very difficult bracket for you. Semi-finalist number one. Hailing from Canada, I actually think they're technically like hailing from England, but with like Canadian influence. Um, we have the Labrador Retriever against the Golden Retriever. What you going with? Yeah, this. Yeah, is you're tough. not. See, they both win on personality alone, right? Yeah. They're two of the best breeds. But what if they're head to head? Yeah, this is tough. Honestly, and this might be counterintuitive to what you might think, but I think I'm going to go Golden Retriever. Okay. okay. And it's um, for a couple of reasons. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I love labs, right? So this is like a hard one. I feel like all the labs, um, you know, lab owners here are going to, you know, kill me for this. But uh, uh, my, my, my next door neighbor back in my uh, original house growing up and my best friend, uh, his family had multiple golden retrievers growing up. So I grew up with uh, Emma and Annie and these golden retrievers um, that uh, that it became part of my childhood. So I think that's the tipping point there if I had to uh, uh, if I had to pick. So I'll say golden retriever. Not by a lot, though. By uh, by a split decision. Judge uh, the, the fifth judge uh, ruled that one in the golden's favor. All right, next semifinalist. This is another tough one for you, Christian, because I know both of these breeds are near and dear to your heart. And that is, hailing from Eastern Russia, the Siberian Husky versus hailing from Germany, the German Shepherd. Yeah, this is the tough one because uh, for people who know me, I have a Shepherd Husky. So uh, it basically is picking which uh, which of... Uh, which of his neuroses I I I, <laughs> I prefer? Um, I think honestly, if I had to pick one of them, I, I think I'm going German Shepherd. Mm, I think that's the and I think that's the favorite in this I, category. I think so, and I think because one is my Shepherd Husky looks more like a shepherd. Um, I think other than his big fluffy tail. Um, and I think just overall, like the personality and structure of a German Shepherd in and of itself. I think if I had to pick one, I couldn't go without that. Mm. So I think I'm going to go German yeah. Shepherd. I think that's well said. I mean, I think there's pros and cons on either side. I mean, we've talked before about the vet bill factor. 
Um, and German Shepherds lose on that one. You know, Huskies are a yeah. bit more robust medically compared to the German Shepherds. Sure. Um, you know, and again, we should clarify that all of these, you know, pedigree issues are things that we as humans have bred into them. So it's our fault entirely. Um, but, you know, certainly something that Huskies have less of. However, you know, shepherds were bred for a lot of human interaction, you know, to be working closely with people as guards and shepherds. Um, Huskies were bred a bit more for transport and as working dogs, a little, you know, uh, working and living in packs rather than one-on-one with humans. And I think that's reflected a little bit in their personalities, like in their human interaction a little bit. German shepherds are a little bit more eye contact, people-focused type situations. Um, But, you know, that's uh, um, subjective entirely. All right, and the final semifinalist category here, Christian, is the belt for giant breeds. So first off, we're going to go giant schnauzer versus the Newfoundland. Giant, fuzzy, black Newfoundland. Oof. Giant schnauzer and a Newfoundland? Ugh. So, like, I want to pick the giant schnauzer because just, like, the Newfie has so much drool. Yeah, but I think the personality of the Newfie, I think, in my opinion, wins. So I think I'm gonna mm. go. I think I'm gonna go. Uh, and and my 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 mother and her family are from Newfoundland, so uh, so I'm gonna go Newfoundland. Very nice, very nice. Yeah, that's exactly it. You're balancing the yeasty smell factor against the wonderful, beautiful personality. So I love that. Go in Newfoundland. And all right, a tough one. I think two relatively popular breeds. One of which has just be skyrocketed in popularity. One is the Irish Wolfhound. And the other, the Great Dane. Who are you going with? Uh, yeah. I guess it's like, which one do I think is more likely to GDV, right? Like, I think that's basically <laughs> yeah. it's basically where I'm at there. Toss up. Yeah, coin flip. Um, I think if I had to pick one, honestly, I think I would pick the Irish Wolfhound. Mm. Mm. And, interesting. I did not think you would go with that. And I think it's because... Now, granted, like I said, I'm I'm generalizing here, um, and I will I will say I'll, I'll quick on my soapbox. I don't think there are bad dogs; there are bad owners, and but I think just in general, the average Great Dane that I see, I feel like is very uh, flighty um, and not as personal personable. Whereas um, I know a couple of Irish Wolfhounds, and a very good friend of ours has an Irish Wolfhound, and. Um, it also is just like the closest I'll probably get to like a dire wolf, like in Game of Thrones. So, um, so I, I I think based on that alone, I think I'm going to go Irish Wolfhound. I mean, Wolfhound has got to be one of the single best names, right? Yeah. Of all of all breeds, you kind of wonder how there isn't. Like, I've always wondered why there isn't a sports team called the Boxers, you know, like such a great name. And I've always wondered why there isn't the Wolfhounds, you know, like if we have Blue Jays and Cardinals, or you know, like there's there's so many other you know, choices at the in college football. I think there's a fair number of hounds and stuff like that, you know, yep. terriers, bulldogs, stuff like that. Like how did the bulldog get so much great shake here? But the wolfhound didn't wolfhound get out of here. Good choice, Christian Irish wolfhound. All right. Well, now we're in the final rounds of each of these. So we'll, we'll get them done pretty fast here. So Chihuahua miniature pincher toy breed champion. Who you going? Uh, I think Cha-Cha takes the cake here, so I'm going to go Miniature Pincher. Cha-Cha. Cha-Cha with the victory. Small breed dog. Shih Tzu, Jack Russell Terrier. Oof. I think I'm going to probably go. This is going to be counterintuitive, I think, to a lot of people who know me. Um, I'm going to go Jack Russell Terrier, um, and I think just because of the reason I chose it in the semifinals, just the activity level. 
Eddie from Frasier. Oh, sorry. Right. The oh, that too. Level. Yeah, right. that too. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. All right. Medium breed championship. We've got the Beagle and the Welsh Pembroke Corgi. Oof. Yeah, I think there's nothing cuter than a corgi butt, so I think I'm going to have to go corgi butt. <laughs> the corgi butt wins. The corgi butt alone could compete in this category. Yeah, just the corgi you know, like, butt. That's my choice. Like you could put in the toy breed chihuahua versus a corgi's rear end. Yep. You know, and just see who And it holds that. up. <laughs> Large breed. This, I mean, this is what everybody came to watch in this little stadium here, you know, uh, just to clarify, I realize the more and more I'm going through this, it kind of sounds like dogfighting, um, not at all trying to condone dogfighting, just so that we're clear with that. We are fighting metaphorical breeds, not individual dogs, just so we're clear here. The Golden Retriever, who I think would be literally incapable of fighting, even if you like asked it to, um, versus the German Shepherd. Golden Retriever, arguably the most famously friendly breed in the whole world, and German Shepherd, your current uh, dog. Who are you going with? Oh, are you actually asking me? <laughs> oh, sorry. That I, one's German Shepherd I, for the win. That's German Shepherd by a landslide. Um, as, as previously, uh, you know, again, I have one. So. But as I'm sure you would know, if we played this game across many people, uh, I think the Golden Retriever might eke that one out. Oh, I think the Golden Retriever wins that one handily Mm. overall. I think it takes a certain person to be a shepherd owner, Mm. um, Mm. of which I did not really see myself as one, honestly, until Mm. I got one. And then here I am. But he's the best boy. Yeah, he is the best best boy. boy. All right. And the final is the giant breed category. The perfectly named Wolfhound. Irish Wolfhound versus the all Canadian Newfoundland. Yes. You know, this is one honestly where I think it's like, do I go with the appearance or the personality? Right. Because I think like the personality of the Newfoundland is like amazing, but then like a Labrador a little bit. Yeah. But then just the, the, then just kind of like the presence and the aura of like the Wolfhound, um, I think is, is, the the other side to that coin and i think probably i'm going to lean towards my german shepherd bias here um and go with the aura of the breed and pick the irish wolfhound nicely done hand of the baskerville style i like it yeah you went very like english european i mean you've got here you've got miniature pincher that's germany jack russell england i'm pretty sure could be wrong there corgi that's wales german shepherd germany wolfhound ireland yeah, I mean, you've got a medieval feel going on here. I went very like, kind of like, as you say, I kind of went field. very kind of UK, yes, Europe, yeah. old school. Yeah. Well, that was a lot of fun. Thank you for indulging me in a little bit of uh, animal fun there, Christian. Much appreciated. I think, uh, I think you know, listeners, you've probably picked up over this episode in the last one that we're making a few little, just little format tweaks. You know, Christian and I love doing this and we're going to keep bringing this to you every week, but we're going to try to keep tweaking it as we go um, to see uh, to see what, what you like, what we like, and uh, we are glad to introduce a little bit more animal stuff there. So thank you very much for joining us this week to share some fantastic news with you that both Christian and I are expecting to be dads again, uh, and we will keep you updated about that as we go through this show. Thank you very much for joining us. This has been the Dad Joke Loading Podcast. We would love to hear from you. Hit us up at the Dad Joke Loading Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, I think I said that very quickly. Dad Joke Loading Podcast at gmail.com. No the in front of it. Um, Dad Joke Loading Podcast on Instagram. And 
at loading dad on Twitter. Ba, ba, ba. Nailed it. Yes. Excellent. Um, we'll be professionals one of these days. Um, thank you very much for joining us. We will see you next week to chat some more. Christian, thanks for being with me, buddy. I love you, man. I hope you have a great week. And listeners, I hope you have a great week too. Talk to you later. Bye.